Vibe Talks. Vibe Talks. More than just music. Hey everyone, this is John Carlo Lino and Aaron Zaretsky reporting for Vibe 105 with a sports Vibe Talk segment slash roundtable slash panel. We're happy to be joined by our guest here, no stranger to the Vibe 105 airwaves. Uh, he's doing uh, great things with this podcast, The Leg Kick, Michael Asifo. Michael, how you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for having me, guys. Uh, again, another flattering intro. That's why I like being here. Um, <laughs> but how are you guys doing during the pandemic? Everyone's... Everyone's healthy and happy. Yeah, doing good. Yeah, doing well. Staying safe, healthy for sure. Mostly at home, working from home. Uh, yeah, hopefully this pandemic ends soon. Good to How's, hear. Uh, how's your sanity been during this time? I know ours is like, yeah, we're at home, but how you been able to deal with it? Um, you know, it's not as bad as I thought it would be at first. Uh, and. I thought a lot, a lot of people said they thought like I'd be the one to lose my sanity because just the way my schedule is, I gotta be here, there, everywhere. Um, and that's not just me being famous; it's just like life, you know. Because of life, just the way the nature of the job, I have to go everywhere, and that came to a crashing halt. But we figured it out, and you know, humans adapt. And yeah, so the pandemic, I, I I think I could do it all day. No, I'm kidding, but <laughs> <laughs> but I. I it's it's crazy what you can do though when you're pigeonholed to a situation and what solutions you do come up with when you have to come up with them right so that's that's the one thing i've learned about myself is i can adjust i i think i, I can adjust to this yeah start off with this uh we'll go around the horn here about a little over a year ago we saw the unthinkable happen toronto raptors won an nba championship uh, Michael's got the gear right there. It's a beautiful shirt. 2019 yeah. NBA champions. Uh, I guess like now that we're celebrating this monumental anniversary at these weird times here. Uh, we'll go. Where were you when? And uh, your initial thoughts on the Raptors doing it? Um, I remember watching it with the family. Uh, we sat down, we watched it. And I think around the time Kawhi Leonard was hitting those two free throws because the way, um, was it Draymond Green? He called the timeout and it was a technical. Um, yeah, because they had no timeouts left. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was, I couldn't stop laughing. I don't know if it was, it, it, I don't know why it meant so much to me, but like that uncontrollable urge to just like, you know, it was like a burst of joy. I was just so happy. Uh, this is a team. I mean, everyone's talked about up and down. There's been a lot of pain. Um, even when times were good, times were bad. Because when we lost, for some reason, it hurt way more than when than it's supposed to. Like, losing to LeBron James, no shame. But just the ways in which we would lose to LeBron James was, was tough. Never mind the fact that Vince Carter, you know... Um, basically left our franchise and damaged it to almost irreparability. And Chris Bosh was basically given nobody, um, you know, God bless Jose Calderon's soul, but you can only do so much with Jose Calderon. And so it's just all of those things um, and all that pain that led up to that moment just meant so much to me. And I'm assuming it meant so Excuse me. It meant so much to everybody else because, you know, the ensuing kind of post-party celebration on the streets of Toronto and the parade um, where people came in in massive numbers, millions and millions of people. So I was happy and and just 
Oh, elated. Just elated. Yeah, so for me, uh, yeah, I was watching at home, and, um, you know, just to go two plays before Kawhi made those two free throws, um, you know, watching it, right? And so, so Raptors, they're up one. Kawhi has the ball, passes it to Danny Green, who turns it over, right? So, and in my head, like, I see that play, and in my head, like, oh, no, you know, because what did Danny Green do? Because now Golden State can make a bucket, force a game seven, and then anything could happen in game seven, right? So, so when that was happening, in my head, all of that pain, Michael, that you brought up, went into my head, like, oh, no, you know, not again, because the Raptors had so many bad losses over the years. You know, like, it can't happen this way. Uh, but thankfully, I was able to hold on, win the championship, and it was just so satisfying to see them overcome all that struggles, all the doubts, all the naysayers, all the hate, mostly coming from American basketball fans and the American NBA media. Um, it was just so satisfying to see them finally win the championship after so long. Yeah. When I was watching that, like, I guess, well, it was language that I guess we can't say on air here, but uh, that was going through my mind at that yeah. moment when Danny Green did that. So I was thinking the worst because, you know, Toronto's luck, you know, the kind of luck we've had in game seven. Just look at the Toronto Maple Leafs and I'm thinking, okay, this is going to go into basketball now. And unfortunately for Toronto, it's going to be as a result of this. And it wasn't until that moment where Golden State, they called the timeout where I found like myself, okay, they won. They did it. He pulled the Chris Webber, had that moment there. But uh, then they have the parade and everything goes on and Kawhi no longer a Raptor. So when Kawhi jumped ship to the Clippers, Michael, what did you think about this Raptors team? Did you think, oh, no. We're not going to be able to get back to that point, or was it like this is an opportunity to get to another Eastern Conference final? Um, I was telling everyone up and down when I was on my show that I didn't see. I I said I didn't see any reason unless you know someone took a major step back in production. I didn't see any reason why the team couldn't be third place in the East. Um, you know, and that's just not to brag. I just. You know, I just know how Fred Van Fleet plays. I know how Pascal Siakam plays. I know how hard they work. Um, and I know the leadership they have in Masai Ujiri, Nick Nurse, Kyle Lowry, and the type of character that you have with guys like Marcus Gasol and Serge Ibaka. I just didn't think there was any reason why this team would take a major step back. Um, now, were they going to be champions? I didn't think so. Um, but... You know, I, I just thought they, they were good enough to be third in the East. Um, it turns out I was wrong because, you know, by the time of the pandemic, they were in second place about two games back in Milwaukee. So I'll concede, you know, I was wrong there. I'll, I'll, I'll take the L. <laughs> but, yeah, no, this team is a good team. And, and you know, Kawhi, I, I get it. Kawhi was a monster and had one of the all-time great playoff runs. But this team complements – him really well because they're good too. It's not because, you know, they were just a bunch of role players. They're good too. And I think that people down south and even in our own country are seeing that. Yeah. So initially, like when the Raiders won the championship, I thought that would be enough for Kawhi to stay. Because in my head, I'm like, you know, there's no way, like, why would you want to leave a championship team and especially go to a team like the Clippers who haven't won a championship? But yeah, but that unfortunately happened. But yeah, then the Raptors, yeah, like I thought they would still be a top four team. Like I didn't think 
that they would be where some basketball experts had them and they would finish in eighth. Others went to like, you know what, they're not even going to make the playoffs because they don't have Kawhi, which I thought was just crazy because they're still a pretty good team. And yeah, like Van Fleet this season been well. Siakam's been taking a step forward. Norman Powell, OG Anobi, he's been getting back into form from his rookie season. And then they have a merging guy like uh, Terrence Davis Jr. Uh, so he's been doing really well. And, and also too, right? Like ha- later in the season, they had a 50-game win streak, which was really cool. And they were playing some really good basketball before this pandemic hit. So, um, you know, I think that they still have a good team. And that, you know, if the season restarts, which it, you know, which might not happen, but if it does, I think the Raptors can definitely make the car titles for sure and NBA Finals, because I think their biggest threat still is the Milwaukee Bucks. Yeah, just on to that, like, uh, we'll go back to Michael here, like, uh, Aaron bringing up the team they have now, a lot of emerging talents here, like a Terrence Davis coming in, kind of out of nowhere, OG Ananobi taking another stride. Going into this new format now that they're going with, that they hope to go with at least in August. Who are your favorites to, I guess, go to the finals? And is this Raptor team capable of winning another championship? Um, now, I guess I'll answer. I'll say this. Um, one of the things that I think a lot of people are forgetting, which is weird that they are forgetting, is the Raptors were injured with a capital I all year. All year. I think I saw some insane number of they were the most or second most games lost to injury. And considering the fact that Golden State was in shambles the way they were, um, yeah. you know, if if you're the second most by a slim margin to a team that lost literally all of their star players to injury this year, that's insane. So, I, and they still figured out a way to keep their heads above water, and not just keep their heads above water. They were they were swimming like they were Michael Phelps at a hundred yard. Uh, Swim me. So I think that with the Raptors, they're now going to be healthy. Um, hopefully guys were staying in shape um, during the pandemic, which I admittedly is hard to do. And if they are in shape and they are healthy and because they've gotten that three months rest to, he- to lick their wounds a little bit, I don't see why not to the Raptors, you know, making some noise. Now, do I have them winning a championship? No. I, I, I still see the Lakers coming out on top. Um, I think the Clippers will give the Lakers a serious run for their money. And I think Giannis has learned a lot from his uh, playoff failure against the Raptors a year ago. And with all of that, I, I do see the Raptors um, ultimately coming up short. But I don't think it's out of the ordinary for them to, you know, it gives someone a serious run for their money in, in the Eastern Conference Finals or even the Finals. Yeah, and the Raptors, they're still considered an underdog, even though they are the defending champions. Um, and I think, yeah, you, you know, Michael, as you said, right, the Raptors injured for so, you know, pretty much the whole season. And, you know, since they won the championship, it gave them confidence, like, you know what? Where the defending NBA champs have been through much worse to overcome this adversity. So I definitely wouldn't sleep on the Raptors as, you know, others might. So I think the Raptors still have a lot to prove and, and you know, and just see how it goes, you know. Because playoffs 
you know, guys do get injured. So, you know, whoever stays the healthiest has an upper hand. So, uh, you know, just have to see how it goes. When uh, I guess like a final question on the NBA side, who do you both have for finals winners and finals MVPs? Uh, so I got the Lakers and I got LeBron James being finals MVP. Um, I just, I was going back and forth between the Lakers and the Clippers. I just think that the Lakers have a lot of size. Um, and I think that the Clippers, that's the one thing they do struggle with is how to get easy buckets against teams with size. Um, now, defensively, I think the Clippers are going to show up and we'll see what happens there. But um, the, the Lakers, I got the Lakers winning. And I got LeBron James being the finals MVP. For me, I hope the Raptors make the finals, uh, but I think it will be Milwaukee versus the Lakers, and I think Milwaukee will come out on top with uh, Giannis being the finals MVP. I like it. I'm going to go off the board here. Uh, I like Aaron's suggestion with the Raptors, so I'm going to go with the Raptors in the final. Perfect storyline that would be they take on the Clippers. Kawhi. Against his old team, ratings gold in the States. You know, Max Kellerman, Stephen A. Smith, they would have a field day on first take with that one. But unfortunately, I, I'm going to go with the Clippers. Montrez Harrell's playing really good. Uh, they got Paul George. They got the deep bench. I think it would be a long series, like a six-gamer. But Kawhi Leonard, back-to-back finals MVPs. I'm going to go on that one. So you would have Clippers over the Raptors, so. Unfortunately, yeah, they're gonna have to go with the Clippers. I see Lakers and Clippers in the conference final, though. That for sure, I think, uh, depending on how the seeding works out. Uh, I guess there is some surprises that can come out of there, like Portland, maybe, uh, but you don't know. Damian Lillard went to play like really well. I think the Pelicans would be the wild card in the West. I don't know. How about you guys? Yeah, no, I'm, I definitely see where your head's at. I, I have the Lakers and the Clippers in the Western Conference Finals, although, although it's not really a Western Conference Finals because they're in a bubble. But, you know, I definitely have the, the, the Clippers and the Lakers facing off on one bracket and the Raptors and the Bucks facing off on one bracket. I just think where we differ is who's going to make it to, that, to the, the zenith, to the mountaintop. Um, so I, I definitely like where your head's at there. Um, and it's definitely better than some of the takes I've heard. I've, I've heard takes like um, a, a Nets team without Kyrie and Kevin Durant will somehow beat the Toronto Raptors. Like, I've heard that. Um, I've heard that. Uh, I've, I've heard takes like the Jazz can make it to the NBA Finals, which I think is is insane at this point. Um, you know, the, I've heard all kinds of stuff. I've heard all kinds of stuff. The one team I will say, though, for me is the Dark Horse. Is the Boston Celtics don't don't sleep? Admittedly, I was very skeptical about their chances at the start of the year. I just didn't see their depth at the big man positions. But um, you know, Brad Stevens is a good coach. Kemba Walker, Jason Tatum, and and those guys they can play. So yeah. if the Raptors face the Boston Celtics, I'd be sweating a little more than Jordan Peele in that one segment. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so if you're a Raptors fan and you see Boston Celtics across to your side from the, in the brackets, know it's going to be a, 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 a fight. It's going to be a war. Right? Oh, yeah, by the way, a long Miami, series. Miami can play too. Miami. Oh, yeah. Aaron, who are your dark horses? Yeah, dark horse I have, like, I think uh, Denver. Denver's one for sure. 
uh, given that they made the semifinals last year, should have made the conference finals, but didn't happen. So, you know, they got Jokic, who lost a lot of weight. Who knows how he'll do. But, you know, they still got Jamal Murray. They're, they still got a solid team. And also, too, I think uh, Oklahoma, OKC. Like, I don't see them making the conference finals, but they could, well, you know what, scratch that. They could, you know, possibly sneak in and make a run, given that they have no pressure on them. They weren't expected to do anything at all this season, given that they traded Russell Westbrook and Paul George in the offseason. But they've been playing really well this season. And I think uh, with Shea Gillis Alexander, Canadian, they could definitely, you know, win a round, maybe two, just depending on who they face in those rounds. And and I, I want to talk about Chris Paul because the character he has shown this season, I think this is one of the most underrated stories. He had every reason to say, trade me to a contender. He had every reason to be upset and disgruntled with his with his position, considering where OKC was at the beginning of the year. But he didn't complain. He put his head down. He's mentoring the kids. And he's playing at a damn near all-star level. And I think that deserves a lot of praise that a lot of media members are not giving Chris Paul at the advanced age of, I believe, 37 right now. You know, he's playing at an, an at an all-star level, in my opinion. And, um, you, he, I mean, clearly, because he was in the all-star game. And so I think that it'd be almost, I think it'd be almost sacrilegious to take out OKC, especially with the, the work that, Shea Gildress-Alexander and Steven Adams, of course, but Chris Paul, I think, has been the catalyst for a lot of their success, um, and, I, and I, I really like that pick. I just want to say that. Should be good. Uh, well, that's uh, basketball, and on to another restart. The UFC are going to restart uh, their travel plans to an island near you, the Abu Dhabi, There's a fight island by the sea over there. The climate should be great for the fighters. Uh, hopefully they have great cardio because they're going to be breathing very heavily over there. But Michael, on the leg kick, your great podcast there. Some great MMA minds dropping knowledge in the sport of MMA. What are your thoughts on this whole Fight Island idea by Dana White and the UFC? And what are some of the fights you're looking forward to most on this? I mean, me, me and the boys always kind of joke about it, having that, that Mortal Kombat on the island feel or the, the Enter the Dragon um, feel. But I, I think this is an interesting concept. Um, for those who don't remember, Bodog used to do something very similar. Uh, Bodog fights, they used to have um, not tropical, like tropical climates. So not an island per se, but they used to have their fights in tropical climates. And they'd have the tent. And Christine, Christina Cyborg actually fought on a couple of those cards, and Chael Sonnen, too, as well. And they were good viewing. It was actually a good viewing. Um, now, I think the UFC and Bodog are two different things, but I also think that that could work to their advantage. I think that the production staff is a much higher production level. I think that the fighters are much more talented, and I think if they play their cards right, the Fight Island concept can can really go places. Um, I think it can really do well. Uh, my only concern is, is that, you know, coronavirus didn't end just because no one's talking about it, right? Or just because you restarted sports. So 
what's the logistics going to work on the plane? What's the logistics going to work once you get to the island? Like, what are the parameters in place? It's easy to put in parameters when you're in the Apex Center in Vegas or in Florida, right, where there's kind of an established, like, building and, you know, you kind of know what you're doing. But when you're working from scratch at an island, you know, what's going to go on there? And that's kind of my concern. But just from a production standpoint and just a – and interest standpoint, I think this could really do well. Aaron, what are your initial thoughts? When you heard Fight Island, yeah. <laughs> what was running through your head? Um, yeah, so initially I thought that, okay, Fighter Island, that's a good idea, good concept on paper, but I don't really see it happening because, oh, you know, it kind of seemed like a myth. Like, oh, yeah, we're going to take these fighters, have these fights on this island. But credit Dana White, he's uh, got it done, and there's going to be a few fights. Uh, a few cards, so looking forward to that. And yeah, like uh, you know, the concern with the coronavirus, I definitely have those those same concerns too. Where is it really safe for like fighters from the U.S. to travel halfway across the world for a fight during this pandemic? So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. And yeah, just can't wait to uh, you know see the action. Yeah, and Michael, some of the cards that have came out, like Dana White wasn't fooling around. He's stacked up with title fights. Uh, we got Volkanovski versus Max Holloway as one of the big fights there. Uh, we see Peter Yan going to take on Jose Aldo. That's another one for that vacant title. I guess we'll we'll go with Aldo because this is an interesting one. He came down to this weight division, looked, uh, I guess, very alarmed at first, uh, sold the alarms when you saw how he looked on the scale, but... He made it work in that fight. Do you see him adding another title to his legacy? Um, <clears throat> I think there's some controversy amongst the uh, um, hardcore a- MMA fan base, if you will, um, that he of his legitimacy to the claim of a title shot. Uh, this is a gentleman who's currently on a two-fight losing streak. Um, but I think that the way the UFC is going to present this as is say that he's one of the greatest of all time, which he is. He's a, he's definitely a first ballot UFC hall of famer when he decides to hang it up. And he's a guy who, despite looking at looking skeletal on the scale, uh, against Marlon Moraes gave Marlon Moraes a fight. It was not in some people's minds. Jose Aldo won that fight against Marlon Moraes. So he's he looks impressive to take down a guy to take the fight to a guy like Marlon Moraes, who is you know not that far removed from being a number one contender in this division. So if this is the Jose Aldo we're gonna get, Peter Yan's gonna be in for a tough time, especially considering the fact that Jose Aldo is one of the best anti wrestlers in MMA history, and Peter Yan tends to get people with timing. And the ability to take down threat, but you know, Peter Yan's hands or Petrion's hands, I should say, are dynamite. And he's got crisp boxing, he's got slick wrestling, and Josie Aldo's gonna have his hands full. Um, if I have to, if well, you put a gun to my head and say make a prediction, I would say that Petrion's probably gonna be the champion, but it's. It's razor thin, guys. Anything like this, this fight is super hard to call. Anything to add on that one? No, I think you hit it right on the nail. Uh, but it will be an entertaining fight for sure. 
Uh, I don't think it'll be like a first round knockout or anything like that. But yeah, it should be a good fight. And uh, I just have a question. So, uh, you know, one great UFC fighter is Conor McGregor, who retired for the third time in his career. Just want to get your thoughts on, like, for McGregor, do you think that he'll stay retired or he'll come back sometime down the road? Um, so it's hilarious. I was just talking about this yesterday when I made a podcast appearance on another show. And I see Conor McGregor's retirement as a parallel to an issue with the UFC right now. And that's in regards to fighters and their pay. You know, will Conor McGregor stay retired or not retired? I don't know. I really don't. But it comes down to the money because right now you've had a lot of top top fighters and a lot of former fighters speak out that they're not getting the money that they think they're worth or they didn't get the money that they think they're worth. If you're a former fighter and you're you're hearing a lot of horror stories, you're hearing a lot of facts, you're seeing a lot of disclosed pay numbers that look quite barren. And considering the fact that you see, you know, UFC bought for four point two billion dollars. A lot of fighters are upset and, you know, Conor McGregor is not one of those fighters who are crying poor, but at the same time, Conor McGregor is saying, if I can make damn near quarter of a billion dollars at a boxing match when I'm O and O, how am I not making, you know, like upwards to maybe let's say I make, how am I making a fraction of that in the UFC when I'm a two division champion? And one of the biggest stars in the sport, right? And that's where I think, um, you know, Conor McGregor's head's at when he wants to retire. He's disgruntled, just like Jorge Masvidal is disgruntled, just like John Jones is disgruntled, just like uh, Gray Maynard, who has been telling stories about Joe Joe Silva and exposing him and, and basically ruining his reputation, was disgruntled, and so on and so forth. So to answer your question, um... I think that that's the outline of why he's retiring. And I think unless they figure it out, I think Conor McGregor is serious. Giancarlo, your thoughts on that? Yeah, I agree with Michael there. This is like this. He's had this problem, Dana White, with like Tito Ortiz in the past and Randy Couture. But they ended up finding a way to, I guess, make it work. And it wasn't really a loss at the end of the day because... It wasn't a strong list of fighters, like every weight class or champion, especially now it's like all the stars in the UFC are complaining about money. And I guess it kind of brings up another point. Could fighters just rally together and as a way to get back at Dana White? Will he actually start a union because of that? Um, they have some legal hurdles, I guess, to figure out. The, the number one legal hurdle is they aren't employees, like let's say your MBA or your NHL or MLB, they're independent contractors, right? They just so happen to have a non-compete clause, which, you know, we could talk about the moral implications of that in another time, but that's the legal hurdle that they're running into. So having a union when you're an independent contractor um, is, you know, illegal. It's illegal to do so. But um, having a fighter association, Right, like your NBA, your uh, your MLB, your NHL, having a players' association or a fighters' association is not illegal. It's just really difficult to do when you're an independent contractor. And when you do it, while it does help the guys up top and maybe even the guys in the middle level, 
it really does kind of in a weird way hose the people in the bottom from elevating right um but at the same time if you play your cards play your cards and you do it long enough the people on the bottom start to benefit through being a united front on things and i think that's the the main thing with the ufc is that you need you need the you need to find a way to get fighters to agree and be a united front when it comes to financial in that regard it it's tough i think there's just there's a couple legal hurdles i think maybe down the line in another universe or like another time or maybe when i'm in my my late late age maybe uh but right now i don't see it happening i agree um and speaking of uh, financial uh, situations within a sports league, uh, Major League Baseball and their Players Association have been having an ongoing labor dispute, uh, mostly over money, uh, because you know the owners originally agreed to give players prorated salary for a shortened season this year, meaning that players would get their amount of the contract for each game played so uh you know if there's like half season 81 games and a player's making 30 million instead of making 30 million they would make 15 million so this is ongoing labor dispute battle uh just what are your thoughts on do you see there being a uh season this year or or not um you it's looking ugly isn't it, it, it isn't it it's getting a little ugly uh I think, look, I think if the players, this is what we talked about when we talk about United Fronts when it comes to players associations, right? The MLB Player Association is, for better or for worse, one of the most united and stubborn associations in sports. They don't budge on anything. Just to add, when remember that conversation a couple years back when they wanted to add a pitch count or no, a pitch clock? So a player yeah. didn't spend too much. And the fight that they gave the, the owners, and in particular Rob Manfred about that, was insane. It was insane. For, for a clock. For a clock. <laughs> to, have a one, to have a one minute time limit as how long you can be on the mound before you throw a pitch. Right? This is the, the association we're talking about. And they don't want to, and right now, they don't want to give up money in a prorated season. They want all of the money. 100%. And if they're going to stand together and do that, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think that you should stand up and fight for for your money. You should negotiate and you shouldn't fall into the pressure just because some billionaire and a suit who cries poor tells you that he can't afford it because he can't afford it. He just doesn't want to pay you it and will come up with all these reasons and go through what I what people like to call Hollywood accounting to justify why he can't afford it. Okay. With that being said, if you're a fan, you're going to side with the players and that's justifiable. To, sorry, you're going to side with the owners and that's justifiable too because you want your baseball. The pandemic has hit. We've had protests, right, for the last couple of weeks. It's been it's been a rough time. You know, we're, we're almost forgetting that one of the greatest basketball players of all time died, right? Yeah. It's been a tough time. We want some baseball and that's okay too. So, you know... The, I guess the answer to your question, sorry for being long-winded, is should they have a season? Um, will they have a season? You know, I would say no because the summer is the summer is ticking away. Um, but 
is that okay? Yeah, it's fine. Like, you're going to have to deal with it. If the players don't want to do something, they don't have to do something. An interesting thing, too, is that if there were to be no season for 2020, their CBA currently expires next March. So there's a scenario where there could be a strike, a lockout in 2021, leading to being no baseball for two seasons instead of just one. So now it's like, you know, now there's like, I think, pressure on the owner's side and maybe some pressure too on the player's side where, you know what, if we can't get a deal done and no season this year, we might not play again until 2022. Oh, guys, I just want to introduce our latest guest here. Uh, no stranger to Vibe 105, Amin Farig. How you doing, Amin? How's everything? You guys able to hear me okay? Yeah. <laughs> Going good? <laughs> Looking Going good, man. Just touching on all of what, the, what they're saying, I came in a bit late on that there. Um, but you guys were both make valid, valid, valid points, especially um, with Aaron bringing up that um, the CBA is set to expire. Two seasons without baseball, I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's, it's going to be tough. I think both sides are going to try to look to come to an agreement as, as soon as possible because two seasons in a row, I don't know if anyone can really afford that, really. Players, the owners, the fans, you know. I mean, baseball is gonna, it's going to have its fans there regardless, but... Two seasons without baseball, see every other sport coming up, even soccer now. It's starting to, yeah. starting to boom, you know? I don't think MLB can afford that right now, where they can take up two seasons in a row. Two seasons, that, that's, that's a lot of baseball. That's a lot of time time right there. And think about it, there's really nothing that occupies the summer except baseball, right? So it's tough. Maybe the MLS now, but I don't know. It, it's tough. It, all the leagues, not just the MLB, but all the leagues are in a very strange, 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 strange time really unprecedented with all this corona stuff uh, the pandemic going on so it's gonna be really interesting i think next two three weeks really until a lot really until a lot for the next for the future of not only mlb but for every other league as well so it's gonna be very nerve-wracking i would say to see uh, on all on all points there for sure and it doesn't help the cause too that the commissioner of mlb rob manford last week he said uh he basically he guaranteed that there will be baseball this season. And then a few days later, he says, you know what? Now I'm not so confident that there will be baseball this season. So why all of a sudden have you changed your opinion in, in just a matter of a few days? It goes back to what I say. It's the, these guys in the MLB Players Association have to be, for better or for worse, right, are some of the most stubborn, hard-headed, and, like, hardened negotiators when it comes to their CBA. Like, the 2021 um, CBA talks were already going to be ugly. They were already going to be a lot of stalling. Um, and so, you're, you know, this is, this is just an example of what they can be like when they're going through a dispute. And, I mean, I guess uh, we'll ask you this first. Do you think it would take a bad hit to MLB if they don't have a season right now? Like, do you think their fan base might say, okay, I look at all these other options. I have the NHL, I have the NBA, MLS, like you brought up there. Do you think MLB might fall down of uh, favorite pastimes, especially in the States, if they don't have a season? Um, it's a very difficult to say because baseball is just ingrained in really American culture, right? It's, it's the thing. Like, it's America's favorite pastime. I don't know about that in 2022, but... I think it's not going to do them any good. That's for sure. Two seasons without baseball is very, very long. I think probably the only thing that's really going for them is that there's nothing else that really is in the summer, you know, other than baseball, right? 
So they have that whole window for really themselves to, for all the eyes to be on them, really. So, and it is in the summer, so people are going to be doing other things in the summer as well. So, I mean, I think when it comes back, Fanbase is still going to be there, but it's just going to really hit the pockets of not only the players, the owners, um, everyone else on, on that regard. I think it's going to take more of a financial hit uh, on that aspect, but I'm sure, I'm sure they'll bounce back. I don't see the MLS making that big of a stride in, in, in those two years where that's going to be the dominant summer sport. But um, if I was the MLB, I, I would be concerned a bit. Nothing too crazy, but I, I would definitely have my eyes on the MLS at the very least because as long, as long as they're getting more star power, as long as soccer is becoming more popular in America, then uh, for sure, it, it could take a lot of the, the market there, for sure. You know, no, I, I don't see a concern. I, the institution of baseball is very similar to the institution of football in the sense that, like, it's it's become a cultural event. Um, while soccer is a cultural event in Europe and in Africa and, you know, in other parts of the world, it's not the same cultural event in the, in the United States. And I don't know if it will ever get there, but I do know that they can't get there in two years. Mm. So even if they did um, have a lockout in 2021, I just think that baseball is so ingrained into the American culture, um, particularly in the South, that you're just not going to see it die or concede to the MLS. Maybe they would give up a little bit as, you know, the MLS is growing. Like, don't get me, don't get twisted. The MLS is growing and it's growing rapidly, but I don't see it overtaking the MLB in a two-year hiatus. Yeah, same here. Like, I don't see that happening. And, uh, you know, with MLB, like, I see the historic, you know, franchises like the Yankees, Red Sox, Cubs, Cardinals, they'll be able to survive no problem because they have a strong enough fan base that does eat, sleep, and breathe that particular, those teams. Uh, But just for MLB, it's just, Teams like the Miami Marlins, the Tampa Bay Rays, who already struggle to get fans as is in a normal, you know, season. You know, there's one season no baseball, two seasons no baseball. They might have to seriously consider relocating because their tens would go way down, like basically nothing. Yeah. Guess uh, we'll transition back to combat sports here uh, as we wrap this up in the next few minutes, but. Guys, Aaron and I on the Vibe Sports account put up some video of Mike Tyson training a little bit. And then after he had another video come out where he said he was back, he got a lot of feedback. Just put the question out there of uh, if it was a positive or negative response. Everybody commenting in the post seemed to be more positive than negative. So I guess we'll go around the horn here. Start with Michael. What do you think of Mike Tyson in his 50s coming back for these uh, charity fights? He looks good, doesn't he? He, he looks quick. He looks powerful. Um, by the way, everyone's talking about Mike Tyson on the pads, but how about Rafael Cordero um, holding the pads? Iron sharpens iron, eh? Um, but I think that – I think this is the thing about MMA as a, and boxing and combat sports. As a fighter, someone mentioned this to me, and it resonated with me. Everyone can be a martial artist, even though not everyone can be a fighter, Right. You can always be a martial artist because the fitness aspect to it and 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 the lessons you learn and the discipline, they're for all ages. And you're starting to see that with Mike Tyson. You see him now. He looks great at 50. What is he, 53? He's got a six-pack and, and muscles bulging from, 
from his muscles. You know, that's what martial arts can do for you, right? It can it can make you healthy. It can make you reinvigorated. And he's re- he's clearly re- reinvigorated. Does that mean I want to see him in a fight versus a Vander Holyfield who also has been looking good recently? I don't know. I think I think the problem is is that you know CTE is a real thing. Concussions is a real thing. And if Mike Tyson is fighting consistently in fifties, right? There's a real health concern there. Um, but again, like you know, it depends on the charity fights he's doing. Is he going to be facing stiff competition, or is he facing you know, like is he facing like real tough guys under the guise of charity boxing? Right, that's kind of the, the issue, right? I, I, I just want to see. I would like to see a couple of exhibitions for fun, just get some money going. But I would definitely not to see, not want to see real fights. No, yeah, I, I completely, completely agree on on that front there. Well, Mike, especially sixty three. Wow, he's looking good. He's looking good. He's what twenty, almost twenty, twenty five years my senior. And oh my goodness, I don't want to be in the ring with him for five seconds. So it's like, um. Him against another person in his generation, Van Holyfield. Oh, it would be interesting to see just to see kind of where it's at, how he is like in that ring setting type thing. My biggest concern is because I am a Mike Tyson fan, even outside of the outside of the ring. There, he always was saying that you know boxing itself, uh, this fighting puts him really in you know a really dark space, um, dark place place for himself there. I just don't want anything to have come about like, you know, he gets in that zone where it's almost like a PTSD type thing where he gets in that space where he's just, you know, attack, 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 super aggressive because it's second nature to him, right? He's been boxing almost half of his life there and he's been documented saying that boxing itself has had a, um, a negative effect on that now, uh, on him back then. I don't know if it's... Now, for, because it's charity, there's going to be a different mindset going into it that it's not to be taken as serious and there's less ego and pride there for sure because it is for charity. But I don't That's just my biggest concern, really, is that, you know, it seems like he's been really uh, on the positive path type thing there. Uh, podcast is great. He's doing amazing, amazing things. And I just don't want that type of energy, you know, him going back into the ring, have an effect on any part of his life outside of the ring person because I am a big fan of him. Like I said, outside of the ring there. But other than that, I mean, it feels like it's something that he wants to do for sure. I'll be here to support it, be here to watch it there. Uh, as long as he's not fighting anyone like Tyson Fury. There was rumors about him being offered that. But uh, no, I mean, I, I, I think it'll be fine. I think I'll give everyone a chance to, you know, relive that time. Give him, give people a chance to really appreciate Mike Tyson for who he is, his growth. The discipline to have a body like that at 53 is incredible. So I think all the hard work he's doing, he just kind of wants to show it in a sense and really put it out there for that. So in that respect, I am excited to see to see him fight there. Did you guys see that quote where he said, um, the gods of war have re- reinvigorated? Oh, like, yeah. That was <laughs> one of the scariest. That's one of the scariest lines I've ever heard. <laughs> His lines yeah. are absolutely shook. <laughs> That's what he said. He just he. I remember he saying he just um has a thing where he looks into the opponent's eyes and just waits for him to to stop making eye contact. And then we said once he they stop making eye contact, he knows he has them. <laughs> yeah. So Tyson, I know. Like I would be interested to see Tyson versus Holyfield three. 
that looks like a really good matchup and that would get a lot of eyeballs for sure. But also too, like, so charity is a reason why Tyson is training again and wants to get back into the ring after so many years off. Uh, do you see another reason as to why Tyson just all of a sudden wants to get back into the ring after such a long layoff? You know, I can, okay. I can definitely see a scenario where he's he, again, Kings MMA, Florida. He's in Florida. He's training a little bit. Rafael Cadero is hitting the pads with him. And Rafael Cadero is, again, one of the greatest striking coaches in MMA history. All right. When I say iron sharpens iron, I'm not making a joke. This is this is the guy, right? This is the guy. Um, you know, so I think he's been training with them. They've been training hard. They've been training like they're ready for, for combat. And I think that Mike Tyson has gotten a mentality. Now, knowing the way Rafael Cordero trains his fighters, I think it's a positive thing, right? So I'm not necessarily scared that he's going to go down the dark path again because I think Rafael Cordero trains the guys right and trains them with discipline. Um, I'm just concerned that if he goes and does some real fights under the guise of charity against, like, guys are hungry. Like, I, I don't think people realize, you know, even the MMA amateur scene, it, it, in Canada, it's it's no tough go. Guys are training all their lives just to get amateur MMA fights in Ontario, right? So imagine Florida, where the fight scene is probably so, the best it's ever been. So I, I just that's what I'm worried about. Is he, he goes and faces this young guy who's hungry, wants to prove himself, and it doesn't necessarily go Mike Tyson's way. That's that's the concern. Mm, I think everyone is team and himself know that although you might be in the greatest physical shape you know father time man i think they'll, they'll pick their fight uh appropriately mm -hmm. um for that there because you can be in the best shape in your in your life there if there's someone that's been training their whole life for this right and they have just an ounce of determination because that's that's a, a big thing you know as you were saying just to prove something right and they have just an ounce of determination ounce of skill I mean, I don't think it can go well for 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 Mike there, given that the champ he is. However, but I just think it's someone needs to be around his age, age group, things like that. They're just in the same spaces, him, same you know shape. I would say, but um, yeah, I agree with you. I don't, I don't see him fighting the next up and comer type thing. Yeah, there. yeah, yeah. Just because, yeah, I don't think it'll, it'll end up as what everyone wants it to there, right? Um, all just given. Well, like you said, like the will of someone that's upcoming, wanting to prove themselves type thing there. So, yeah, I, I think I think his team, his trainer, will pick the right fight for sure. Because at the end of the day, although it is for charity, no one wants anything to go, you know, above ab above than that than what needs to be there. Because it, like I said, it is in fact for for charity, right? Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, just you know, as you guys were talking about that, got me thinking. I am kind of concerned, but not for Mike Tyson, like for his opponent. And, like, we've all seen Rocky here. Like, you go to Rocky Balboa, and I think this is kind of uh, telling of it's more real than people think. I think Mike Tyson's got some stuff in the basement. And Rocky, you know, they had that famous scene where he's talking about the stuff in the basement and the only way he can go on with his life out. And similar to Mike Tyson, like Amin was bringing up here, that Mike Tyson, he's doing all these positive things. He's doing the podcasting. His cannabis thing, Tyson Ranch, is going great. But maybe in his mind... 
the fighter mentality, the gods of war that he was talking about. It's igniting something in him. And the only way he feels probably he can get on that path of his life and be that positive person is if he gets rid of the stuff in the basement. And God help whoever steps in the ring with him. There's going to be a lot of charities making a lot of money. Mike Tyson's going to make some money. But I think his opponent's going to get a trip to the hospital. And uh, I feel sorry for that, man. <laughs> You think Tyson will go for someone's ear? Oh, imagine. <laughs> Could you? Go after Vander Holyfield's other year. <laughs> how, much would, how much would it take for you to get in the ring with him at, today, as he today? Wait, sorry. I would tap. <laughs> I need a lot of money. A lot of insurance, too, for hospital bills. <laughs> you, couldn't, you couldn't pay me any amount. After I was watching him going at um, those pads, oh, my goodness. You yeah. need a dime to get in the ring with him <laughs> for five seconds, let alone ten. Yeah, no one in the right mind. Uh, honestly, no, no one in the right mind. But he looks good, though. Looks good. Yeah, props with Vitor Belfort over there. It's a good guy oh, to yeah. have in the camp. You know, Mike, you want to feel younger? We'll help you with that. But uh, guys, I guess around here, like Michael, like how can we follow you on social media as we wrap this up here? And Amin, same thing. Like, how can we uh, follow you? Uh, so yeah, I guess. Um, probably Instagram is the main way to reach me nowadays. I try to be as active as I can on Twitter. And so my uh, Instagram and Twitter is at Michael Asifo, A-S-I-F-F-O, all one word, all lowercase. Um, also, I guess the podcast, The Leg Kick, The Leg Kick, all one word, all lowercase on Instagram. And you can find us on YouTube as well by typing in The Leg Kick or just, and you'll find the video of ours and... You know, we're growing. We're growing. I'm, I'm very proud of the team over at the Light Kick staff, so I'm happy. And, yeah. But me is the real story. I mean... <laughs> Congratulations on that, on that there, uh, Mike. Been following you guys for, for a, a while there. Currently, I am off the grid. Currently. past two weeks, I've just been, you know, uh, taking some time off uh, there um, on the social media aspect sort of things there. This whole pandemic and all this other stuff that's going on there, just... You know, has me just want, wanted to, to get off the grid for a, a bit there. You know, there's a lot of information that's coming at me uh, there. So currently I'm not there uh, on this exact moment. But when I do get back on, you guys will be the first to know. Uh, so we can expand that network and stay in touch there. Sounds good. Well, uh, Aaron, any last comments here? This, this has been fun. Uh, thank you so much for you know, take your time to uh, join us today, Amin and Michael. Um, yeah, hopefully, take care, stay safe, and hopefully we can do this again sometime down the road. Well, thanks for having me. Thanks for having us. Have a good one.